0: Hello, folks. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is going to be podcast number 511 for November the 2nd, uh, 2014. Yeah, already in November. Halloween is over. This would have been a guest host show, but uh, didn't get any takers for this week. I think a lot of people are busy at this time of year. It seems like there's a lot of birthdays going on, holidays, convention going, all kinds of things, but... Uh, with that uh, i decided rather than just not having a show at all come out which would be you know that'd be an event (laughs) i i decided uh we were talking about it a little bit on the forum and this has come up a few other times but the um what i'm going to do is play a old old episode of Treks and sci-fi for you there were a couple people wanted me to play the very first i think beta cast which is which is so hard for me to listen to right now. I cringe. <laughs> it's just so I, I decided to do something a little different uh, and expose some of you to uh, a set of podcasts that I did uh, way back in I think it's around 2006. Yeah. The um, the background on this that you're what you're going to hear here 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 is that. Uh, Way, way, way back in the day when I was growing up and really only had Star Trek reruns of the original series to watch and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I, uh, Friends of mine and I, we put together an audio drama using cassette tapes. Yes. Do you know what those are? <laughs> are you someone that knows what those are? Uh, basically, what we did was we created our own ship called the Aurora, and the USS Aurora and we had our own crew each of us was a different position on the ship and we did these we wrote scripts and we created these audio dramas uh yeah way back before audible.com before the internet before everybody was doing this kind of stuff uh, hey I, I created a Star Trek Monopoly game before all those various Monopoly games came out so we were ahead of our time let me tell you so what you're going to hear uh, today on today's show is the first episode, the first audio drama that we put together. Now keep in mind a few things. One, we are no by no means actors, writers, or anything, but I think it's fun. We certainly had a great time doing it. Uh, there was about a half a dozen of us that did it. Uh, I was the science officer, the sort of slash Spock character, not a Vulcan, but uh, we basically played ourselves on this crew. So our names... I think for the most part are the same. There's a few variations and stuff like that, but anyway, uh, and what else do I want to tell you about this before we get going? So what I did is I captured, I did all the audio stuff. I captured the sound effects off recording uh, sound effects off TV, believe it or not, uh, with a microphone and a cassette recorder and put the sound effects and music uh, together into the show and, and, and so forth. Anyway, it, again, the audio quality is not going to be great, uh, but I think you'll get the gist of it. This first episode is called "Rude Awakening," and uh, it uh, it's about basically an alien ship that attacks us. and I think it's a pretty interesting, actually, idea for the ship, and uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I will put in this week's podcast notes uh, links to the original releases of these. This first was released for episode 36 of Treks in Sci-Fi. Uh, back in march of 2006 so i think it's uh you know i think it's okay to repeat a show you know what almost eight years later seven and a half years later something like that so <laughs> um but uh again these were a blast we did about six of them well we did exactly six of them i, I kind of wrote a uh a follow-up to this if now a while ago but uh and and we were going to try to do something where we all kind of came back together like kind of like they did in the uh uh films that like the motion picture you know with the original crew but that never really happened so that gives you some background uh what else did i want to say oh other thing i wanted to say this week is please make sure to go over and check out my vimeo page that's vimeo v-i-m-e-o forward slash Trekkie. I'm putting up uh, lots of videos over there from Austin Comic Con and other things. So uh, please check that out. Hey, join Vimeo. You can hit the little heart circle thing uh, to like the videos, tell your friends. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. I I really like the Vimeo format. You can put up huge files, big HD videos, and it's a lot of fun. And I've been enjoying putting those together on my iMac on uh, iMovie. So uh, check that out when you get a chance. Also, uh, join the Facebook group, the forum. If you want to join the forum, you got to shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com. iTunes reviews, PayPal, uh, donations, all that good stuff over at treksandsci-fi.com. So without any further ado, enjoy this uh, look back in the Wayback Machine at uh, Treks and Sci-Fi episode 36, which is uh, featuring the first adventure of the crew of the Aurora from an audio, audio drama created um, decades gone by. A decade, A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, wait, that's another franchise, right? All right, everyone, take care. I hope you enjoy this. I'll be back next week with a look at uh, a TNG episode uh, called True Q. So until then, take care and uh, stay tuned for a look back at uh, treks and sci-fi from years gone by. Hello everyone, it's Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 36 for Wednesday, March the 22nd, 2006. And we're going to do a, uh, a little different show for you this uh, midweek, so stay tuned, here we go treks in sci-fi decades ago created a our own starship called the aurora they were a lot of fun to do Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. For the new listeners, for the listeners that have been following the show for a while, welcome, welcome. This is Rico, the host of the show. This um, midweek show has been—it's um, been fun for me to do. It's a little tricky with with working during the week, and the weekend show is a little more easy easy to fit in. But uh, I do kind of look forward to doing this. And I was sort of searching in my head today. Um, while I was at work, what what I wanted to talk about this week, and I recalled many, many podcasts ago that I had promised to play for you a a Star Trek uh, episode that was performed, written, recorded, uh, let's just say decades ago in my basement growing up with friends of mine. Basically, I, I don't want to talk a long time about this because this episode I'm going to play for you that we recorded is approximately a half hour long. But uh, in essence, uh, years and years ago, some good friends of mine uh, or good friends uh, that I had and still have and myself created a, our own starship called the Aurora, the USS Aurora. And, basically, what we did was, and this was, um, you know, basically, and am I saying that word a lot tonight? Sorry about that. What we did was create our own our own crew based on, the, you know, the Star Trek sort of area and, you know, area. That's not the right word. Uh, what am I trying to say here? We, we created our own crew, our own adventures, wrote scripts, and recorded these on old-style uh, tape recorders with some sound effects and music slipped in. As much as I could uh, manage to find, I was kind of the technical guy, of course, on on doing this uh, production. And I am going to put some disclaimers here, though. Keep in mind many things when you're listening to these. One, it was done a long, long time ago. Yeah, in a galaxy far, far away. So the audio quality is not the greatest. You know, the production values are not the greatest. And the script writing is definitely not the greatest. But they were a lot of fun to do. We really had a great time doing these. Um, they were usually recorded over uh, several weeks, and I kind of edited them together. The um, I don't know what else to really say. I don't want to, like I said, take too much time here before I get into the episode. This first one is it was our first adventure. It's called uh, "Rude Awakening." "Rude Awakening" is the name of this episode. And you know, I think you'll be able to follow it pretty well. I thought it, the the idea and the concept behind the episode is is pretty good, and I will talk about this more on this weekend's normal podcast after I play this for you. But I think that should just about do it. Oh, one one other thing, the um, as they say on some of those old TV shows, some of the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Well, uh, here here's one little tidbit for you. The names, none of these names have been changed to protect any innocents we all used our our real names in these episodes basically you know I was the science officer uh, one of my friends was the captain and you know we just threw the titles in front of us our names and I don't know they were just a lot of fun to do and, and also keep in mind that the acting and and that is not the greatest in these but I think they're still they're still fun to listen to so uh, hey I'd really appreciate any feedback after I play this for you guys. Again, the email for the show is treksf at gmail.com. You can go to treksf.com, look at the forums, make some posts there uh, if you join. And let me know what you think about Rude Awakening, the first adventure of the crew of the Starship Aurora. And here we go with it. So uh, listen uh, and enjoy. Talk to you guys over the weekend.
1: final frontier. These are the voyagers of the starship Aurora for five-year mission to explore a strange new world, seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. test to check systems after our berth on start 7506.22. Thus far, no major problems have arisen, and the ship is operating smoothly. Phaser tracking controls operative and fully functional. All indicators show green. Mr. Doss, the engage computer practice targets. Computer ready for simulated attacks. Mr. Bellop, sound red alert. Horse 113, mark 5-1, warp vector 4, reflectors, optimum settings. Phases lock on and fire. Simulated target. Damage to warp engines. Shields holding but weakening. Come about on their starboard flank. Lock on photon torpedoes and fire to all banks. Shield gone. Warp drive out. They're retreating on impulse power. Secure from red alert. Mister docking computer rating of efficiency. Ship damaged and retreated. We received hits on primary and secondary hulls, which only strained our deflectors. Efficiency rating, ninety-four percent. Yeah? What is it, Rick? During our simulated attack, my sensors picked up some very unusual energy readings. Cough. Unknown. Could have a natural explanation for this part of the galaxy, but I don't believe so. Mr. Shaff, take the time. I'll be in my cabin. Deck five. Do you have any idea what it could be? None. Scanners detected nothing else in the vicinity of the readings. I have no explanation of the phenomena. Could it be dangerous? I would say yes. Clarify. It's only my opinion. Chast the captain. Captain, we have picked up a fast-moving vessel on visual. Lesson cutting in. Our sensors do not register anything whatsoever. Shaft, open hailing frequency. I'm coming to the bridge. Situation. They refuse to answer our hail. Still closing at warp four. Sound red alert. Flex up. Mr. Phelps, have you received any communications? Negative, sir. Continue the hail. Helms, you're off. Force 253, Mark 8. Hi, sir. Sir, you're staying with us. Mr. Dawson, your reading's on the alien vessel. Reflectors the say there's something there. Sensors say there isn't. Alien vessel moving in at warp 6. 180 degrees above. Lock on phasers. Prepare to fire. Aye, aye, sir. Return fire. Off phasers. <laughs> it went right
2: like
1: Uh, on torpedo. proximity fuse. Still closing, sir. Collision course. Course 25, mark 75. Emergency warp speed. <laughs> so, a damage report channeled to science officer. Helm, reduce to warp 6.
2: Sir,
1: they're paralleling us at warp 6. Status report. Just a minute. Deflectors weakened. Work drive and impulse operative. Weapons operative nine dead, sixteen wounded. Label the bridge. My assistant is dead. We have many wounded. I need some help. Mr. Phelps, send backup technicians and engineers. Rob, go to the briefing room. Aye, sir. Mr. Phelps, department heads to the briefing room. Mr. Dossey, Mr. Wilkar, come with me. Jeff, yes, you have the con. Dr. your report? Apparently, the alien ship is from a different area of space where physical laws do not apply. Like being in a different plane of existence? Yes, a different dimension. If what we think is true, our weapons will have no effect on their ship. Then why do their weapons affect us? It's possible that they convert their weapons to our dimension so that they will affect us. it's possible for them to convert their weapons to our dimension, could it be possible for us to convert our weapons to their dimension? I shall run a computer study on it and meet you with it on the bridge. Mr. LaBelle, your report. All engines fully operative, and we can maintain this speed indefinitely, although I don't know where we're heading. We're heading to the edge of the galaxy, Mr. LaBelle, due to the fact that we cannot lead them back in the Federation space. Once there, it would be total havoc. All right, Captain. I figure they can't go any faster than Warp 6, since they didn't attempt to increase speed when we did. It is logical to assume that, they can, that we can keep ahead of them. Casualty report, Mr. Mazenga. We've got
2: 10 dead and 15 wounded. Most are suffering from radiation burns and bumps and bruises.
1: That's natural, since the aliens are using normal phasers. Or something similar to ours. Well, let's just keep ahead of them until we can come up with a better course of action. Turn to your post. Status of aliens. Still paralleling us at warp six. Very well. Maintained. Rick? computer verifies that interdimensional travel is possible. The computer also says that the aliens must have some sort of device aboard their ship to keep them from changing over to our dimension, which would be similar to our deflectors. When their weapons leave this field, they convert over to our dimension. It is not possible for us to convert our weapons to affect them. Affirmative. Mr. Phelps, message to Starfleet Command. Code 12 and scrambles. This is Captain Malcolm T. Kuster of the USS Aurora. On Start 87507.25, we contacted an unknown alien of another dimension. We were attacked and returning fire discovered that our weapons had no effect. Because we have learned that they can change dimensions at will, I'm considering this a prelude to invasion. Code 1. In my opinion, this quadrant and the entire galaxy should be placed on alert status. Ms. Phelps, include my past log entry starting on Start 87507.2 and all technical data relevant to the situation. Mr. Dossi, take over. I'll be in sickbag. Zinga, how are we holding out down here? Not so good. Young is in a bad way. What's he suffering from? He seems to have contracted some sort of radiation sickness. Is it alright if I see him? Only for a few minutes. Bob! Bob! Why? Why did you let them attack us? Take it easy, Bob.
2: Take it
1: easy.
2: You. I. You did it. You'll kill
1: us all. Zinga. You'll kill us. Stop him. Stop him. Please, don't I get to you? Uh, I'll be in my cabin. Captain's personal odds, Dot eight seven five zero seven point two six. Have I made all the right decisions? my first command, and it seems like I have already failed. I've tried to make all the right decisions, but my ship has been damaged. My men have lost faith in me, but it's not my fault. I've done everything possible. No man could do more. Engineering, engineering. what's going on? We're losing power on the bridge. One of our dilithium crystals went. Those phaser hits must have done much more damage than we first suspected. Probably due to a strange element of the alien's weapons. Can we maintain our present speed? Yes, if we don't lose any more crystals. <coughs> so much for warp six. Report. We have lost two dilithium crystals and can no longer maintain warp six. Maintain, <laughs> high. maintain highest possible speed. Mr. LaBelle, can you rig the bypass circuit? Yes, but it will take time. After that, I can replace the crystal. Do it. Help Our speed. Warp three. They're closing on us. Selectors at maximum. Prepare for your maneuvers. The alien ship will be within phaser range in approximately 10 minutes. Engineering, how much longer, Mr. LaBelle? Just a few minutes. I've just about got the bypass ring. Oh, well, let's hurry it up. Wait. Try it now. Helm, increase speed to warp 6. Mr. LaBelle, it's not working. I've got it. It's the main power in my control. Get out of it, Mr. LaBelle. Helm, reduce speed to warp 3. Mr. Dossie, what is the status of the alien vessel? They are still closing on us at warp 6. They should open fire on us in a matter of minutes. Mr. Phelps, open a channel to the alien vessel and tie in the universal translator. Channel open, and you're tied in. This is Captain Alan T. Kuster of the United Starship Aurora, representing the United Federation of Planets. We are on a peaceful mission and do not wish to engage you in battle. I shall await your reply. Close channel, Mr. Phelps. Any change in the alien vessel? Negative, Captain. No change. LaBelle with Captain Clooster. Cluster here. Try your helm now. You should have full warp drive capacity. Captain, the alien is coming within our phaser range. Helm, warp vector nine! Good work, Mr. LaBelle. Clooster out. Mr. Lockhart, trim down speed to warp vector six. The alien never got a chance to fire on us. We warped out just in time. They are presently still following... At warp six. We sustain no appreciable damage, just a few bumps from the jolt and high warp speed. Booster to six bay. Six bay, Dr. Mazenga. How's Bob Young, Doc? He died about ten minutes after he left here. Booster out. Captain <laughs> Paul, start eight seven five oh eight point one. 7508.1. Our engines are up to top efficiency now after the close call with the enemy vessel. We are still heading to the edge of the galaxy at maximum warp speed while being pursued by the aliens. Past days have been uneventful. Mr. Shaft, the you have the report I asked for yet? Affirmative, sir. We shall reach the edge of the galaxy on star date 7512.19 if we maintain this course and in speed. Insufficient data on what we will encounter upon arrival.
2: Captain, the alien ship
1: is veering off. Compute the alien's course. Computed, bearing three five zero mark nine. Mister Doisy, where will that lead them? That course will put them on a direct line with Solian space. Deflectors up. Go the yellow alert. Could be a surprise attack. Negative, Captain. They are following their present course, moving off at warp six. Helm parallel course at maximum visual range. Mr. Phelps, department heads for briefing. Low car, you have the car. Dorothy Shaft, come with me. Sorry I'm late, gentlemen. Mr. Shaft, continue your report. As I was saying, the aliens present course will take them into Dolian space. Map coming on screen. And here is our position. The alien is here. Mr. Shask, what is that area in the western part of Estonian space? Interspace, sir. Articulate, Mr. Dossie. Interspace is known to our science as an area of space which is an overlapping of different dimensions. The fabric of space is very weak there, and the vessel could become trapped. Wasn't the defiant lost in interspace? Yes, and the Enterprise flew through it to escape the Tholian web. Is the alien's core leading them towards interspace? Yes, they will pass within 0.05 parsecs of it. Do we have any more information on the properties of interspace? We also know that prolonged contact with the area causes madness. This can be avoided by using a derivatives. derivative. As Mr. Schaaf has already pointed out, the Enterprise flew through interspace to escape the Tholian's. So now we know that it is possible to pass through that area. See if this is beneficial to us in any way. Computer on. Computer on. Computer, verify following hypothesis. Question. Will travel into interspace send a vessel into another dimension? And if so, what effects will result?
2: Working interdimensional travel is possible through the area known as interspace However, it is possible that the ship will become interdimensionally
1: trapped. Isn't it possible the alien is using its dimensional resistor device not to keep them from changing to our dimension, but merely as a weapon? It's possible, but there is insufficient data for a positive conclusion. Computer, will the described vessel convert to the same level so that our weapons will affect the alien ship?
2: Working! Insufficient data Red alert Red alert Captain closer to the bridge
1: Closer here
2: our sensors have picked up two objects rapidly closing on the alien.
1: I'm on my way. Configuration of the object My sensors read them as two tholian scout ships. Closing on the alien vessel at warp five. Communications, one off the Tholian vessel. Selectors up. Captain, the Tholian ships are coming within range of the alien's weapons. No acknowledgement of our hail, sir. The alien has fired on the lead Tholian. A direct hit. Mr. Duffy, program computers for entrance into interstate. Mr. Black, have Dr. Mazinga distribute the Therian derivatives throughout the entire crew. Helm course three five two mark twelve. Work factor nine on my order. Full power to reflected. But that course will put us on a direct line with the alien ship. I am well aware of that fact, Mr. Lokar. Follow my orders. Aye aye, sir. <coughs> Derogate derivative, Captain. Very well, distributed among the bridge crew. The alien has fired upon the second Solian ship, but only damaged it. Computers are ready to drive into interspace. Mr. Lobel. LaBelle here. Can we manage warp 9? Affirmative. We have been driving at warp 6 for sufficient time for my engines to become fully primed for warp 9 speed. Engage warp 9 on my order. Aye, right, sir. Lobel out. Mr. Black, adjust the Intercraft open, sir. Captain, the crew, prepare yourselves for high warp speed. We're going to try to lure the alien vessel into interspace that we will destroy or be destroyed by the alien. All systems report ready for entry into interspace. Mr. now engage! Closing on aliens. They're turning the fire. You're off the interspace. Now! We are now entering interspace. The alien is following. All stop. Come out! Lock out all weapons onto the alien ship and fire as soon as it enters interspace. The alien is entering... Fire! Have been completely destroyed, and the blast through is clear of interspace. Damage reports coming in from all decks, Captain. Design damage control parties as needed. The aliens were caught totally off guard, which enabled us to destroy them so easily. How do you account for the fact that interfaces occur only at random intervals? We programmed the computers for the precise time at which the next interface would occur. Alright, Mr. Walkers, take us home. we work back to see. Episode Rude Awakening, as written by Alan Cluster, Rick Dosty, and Robert LaBelle. Captain Cluster played by Alan Cluster. Science Officer Dosty played by Rick Dosty. Chief Engineer LaBelle was played by Robert LaBelle. Mr. Shast played by James Ewan. Dr. Mizango, by Mike Matsumoto. Mr. Lokar played by Joe Dosty. Mr. Phelps played by Bill Collins. Mr. Black played by James Ewan. Anton Young, played by Joe Dosty and The Computer, played by Joe Dostey. The Paramount Productions.
2: Dose of goodness. Let's go. You've been listening to trucks in Sci-Fi. Join the forum at tracksinsci-fi.com forward slash forum. Or write to Rico today, treksf at gmail.com. Until next time, live long and prosper. Treks in science.